Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. I'm glad and truly blessed that you are tuning in this Sabbath. I know that many of you got together this morning on Shabbat Fellowship. So again, greet one another in the chat, in the comments. And if you're watching this later, then please leave some comments down below. And remember, please subscribe to this ministry channel and give us some thumbs up along the way because it really does help in the analytics to get other people for them to tune in and see because we kind of pop up in their little screen selection on the side. We are in the Torah Parashah, the Torah cycle this year. Super excited to be back after many years of going into topical and other books. We are in Bereshit, Genesis chapter 18 today, and the title of this week's Torah portion is Va'ira, which means, and Yahuwah appeared. And we are now going to delve into the text today. We're going to look at Genesis, Bereshit chapter 18, all the way through chapter 22 and verse 24. So I better get cracking because there's a lot of ground to cover. Then Yahuwah appeared, Vayera, and Yahuwah appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, of course, Avraham. And he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted his eyes and looked. Behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran to the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. Right here we have a problem when it comes to traditional Judaism. And many of the rabbis really sidestep this Torah portion. Because what you have here is two Yahuas, one in the upper dimension concealed and one in the lower dimension revealed, an Echad plurality of one, but here we also have the power of Yahuwah revealed. It is the fullness of Elohim. And we're going to see that manifest bodily here to Abraham. And this is a problem, a big problem for traditional Judaism. This is really going to be talking about a duality of power, not persons. And within traditional Christianity, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a person. Well, that isn't biblical either. We have a duality of power, not persons. We have two powers abiding eternally as one. And then with the manifestation of the Ruach HaKodesh, we see the plurality or a compound unity that is exemplified with the Hebrew word echad. Echad is a plural, not a singular word. It means a plural one, a compound unity. So the Bible teaches that Elohim is a plural one, whereas what we have with Judaism is singular monotheism. And then with Islam, you have polytheism, which has morphed into a variant of 
single monotheism today, but it really does stem from polytheism. And then Christianity has taken many of the daily deities from the Greco-Roman sphere and morphed that into what's called monotheism, but truly, it's, you know, you've kind of got three in one and this triunity. It gets very, very confusing. But if you go back to the biblical text, looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and the fourth verse, you can see plural monotheism is what the Bible teaches. Echad, a compound unity. So right here we see Yahweh appears in the form of man. So this is not some New Testament concept. We have Yahuwah appearing in the form of man. It's not Adonai appearing. If you looked in the text, and if you were looking to a Torah scroll, you'd see this is yod Hey wah Hey. This isn't Adonai, as the Masoretic text would translate it. This is Yahuwah appearing in a plurality of one, and it is not Adonai. It is Yahuwah. This is sidestepped by, of course, Judaism. This is very, very messianic. Now, what we can see as we delve further into the text, this is by the terebinth trees at Mamre. Now, this traditionally is taught that Avraham was circumcised at quite an old age, and this was just three days after the circumcision. Now, you'll read later on in the book of Genesis, of course, when the whole um, city was circumcised and they were in pain of circumcision is when, of course, Levi and Simeon attacked them. So after three days here, Avraham is still resting under the terebinth trees, recovering from his Brit Milah, his circumcision, and was sitting at the tent door in the heat of his days. And he looked up, and this whole theme is set around, in the text it says, a moed, at the appointed time. And what appointed time would that be? Well, the text tells you that we've got unleavened cakes that are being prepared. So this is around the time of Passover and unleavened bread. And we can see in the third verse, it goes on to see, to say, my master, if I have now found Cain favor in your sight, in the sight of the plurality, do not pass on by your servant. And I will bring Please, a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. So this isn't a ghost. This is a manifestation. This is anthropomorphic Yahuwah. And this, is again, is another big problem for religion. Anthropomorphic Yahuwah. This isn't Adonai. He is appearing as man, and he is, of course, Tangible, not a ghost, but anthropomorphic, appearing as man right here. Let a little be water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves, plurality, under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by in as much as you have come to your servant. And they said, 
do as you have said. So Avraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf and gave it to a young man. And he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by under the tree as they ate. Now, here again, we've got another problem. Now, you see, in Christianity, they do away and take away from the dietary laws. But Judaism does what? adds to the dietary laws. Now, you've got a problem here with Judaism because you've got meat and dairy. At the same time, they ate. But no, 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 not according to the sages. No, there was a separation of quite some period of hours here between the meat and the dairy. But that's adding to the text. The text does not say that. So we have to beware of religion. The sages add to the dietary laws, and Christianity takes away from the dietary laws. But those that are on the narrow path that leads to life follow what is outlined in the Torah, Leviticus, Vayikra, chapter 11, quite clearly and quite specifically. There is nothing wrong with lasagna. There's nothing wrong with it. But again, these are the types of ground that you find yourself sinking in the sand of religion. But it's a very source text for us to see that this, of course, is the first cheeseburger or lasagna in Scripture. And then, verse 9, they said to them, where is Sarah your wife? Now, let me just back up to verse 6 because, again, we're talking about making ready three measures of meal and knead it and make cakes. This happens at a moed and it is unleavened in its absolute contrast to other places in the scripture where food is prepared. Here specifically, as we go through the text, you're going to see that this is at unleavened bread, Passover time, and we'll go furthermore with this in chapter 19 and see this be revealed. And then he said, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And when is that? According to the time of life. If you look up that phrase in your text in the Hebrew, it does say moed. So we're going to see the birth of Isaac is going to be around a moed because it's the promise of a son, which also has, of course, dripping with messianic um, emphasism there. Now, Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. Now, of course, we know that she has the promised son, Yitzhak, which means he laughs. And, of course, coming from the origination right here. 
And she laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? So this is the miracle birth that is prophesied of the promised son. This is the prophecy of Zion, isn't it? The true biblical Zion. And you know I've said over the years there's a difference between the Zionists in the Middle East and biblical Zion. This is biblical Zion and the prophecy of biblical Zion is going to be fulfilled through a miracle birth first with Yitzhak, Isaac, he who laughs, and then the son who will come as the manifestation of the plurality of the compound unity of Yahuwah, first manifest here and again at the time of Passover and unleavened bread. So I hope you can see how this really does start to unfold everything that you're going to see in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament. Verse 13. And Yahweh said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Surely I shall bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for Yahweh? And at the Moed, appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. So just breaking this down in the Hebrew, you can see, even the sages can see, that this has to do with prophecy. Moed, Moedim, at the appointed time. These are key phrases that often are um, overlooked in the King Jimmy because it doesn't come out in the language. But Sarah denied it, verse 15, and said, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, 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 but you did laugh. So Sarah, she laughed out of unbelief. And of course, Isaac, Yitzhak, means he laughs. So she denies then the truth of unbelief, her unbelief, which is almost like denying your faith, isn't it? like denying your faith. So she has a crisis of faith here. But really, what we see within this text, of course, is the double portion of Yahuwah, the plural, plurality or the compound unity of Elohim. And now we're going to get into, of course, Sodom and Gomorrah. But before we do, let me break this down because people will go, oh, Sodom and Gomorrah, two cities, and traditionally archaeology will say this is down by the Dead Sea in Israel, and that may be so, that may be so. But this was actually a cluster, a cluster of five cities. And here what we're having is that Yahweh, you see, Abraham is the consolidation of Zion, the birth of Zion, the nation. And from this nation, Abraham is going to be the birth of all nations, which, of course, Paul says that you're the seed of Abraham. So what must you first have if you're going to establish a nation? And that nation is going to be established through the seed of Abraham. What's the first thing you must have if you're going to establish a nation? Justice must be administered justly. So the first thing that we're going to have manifest, manifest after the prophecy is Yahuwah is going to show you 
his justice. And many people today don't want to follow Yahuwah. They don't want to follow the Lord. Because they say, well, that's all. Oh, there's so much judgment. And my God, you know, he, he's on this little Buddhist shrine and he's all about love. But that is, that is not really true, is it? Because for love to truly exist, there has to be a choice. And for love to truly exist, there has to be justice. And for justice to truly be just, it must be administrated justly. Which is why Yahuwah has 13 attributes. Yes, he is love, but he's Yahuwah, Yahuwah Elohim. He is merciful, gracious, and long-suffering. He is abounding in goodness and truth. Help me out, Moshe. And he extends mercy to thousands, forgiver of iniquity, transgression, and sin, who by no means clears the guilty, but visits the sins of the fathers upon the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Just had a blank right there. Say it so many times, pray it so many times every day, and then right when I need it, couldn't get the recall. Thank you, Moshe, for reminding me. But again, that's the full manifestation of Yahuwah. Yes, he is love, but for love truly to exist, you have to have the 12 other attributes. I don't want to just serve a God of love, because then there wouldn't be justice. And so this is what people negate. They don't realize. Here we're going to see that there is a cluster of five cities associated with the complex of what we would call today Sodom and Gomorrah. And we're going to start off here with a bidding war. There's going to be a bidding war. Now in Judaism today, many, many years ago, my wife and I, we went to the synagogue here in town when we first came into the knowledge of Torah. This was the Jewish synagogue here in town. There were eight people at the Sabbath service. And my wife were there with me, accounting for 10. That's called a minion. And they will not bring out the Torah scroll unless there is a minion, a grouping of 10. There were eight people there, and then my wife and I showed up, so there were 10. Did they bring out the Torah scroll? No. Why not? Because we were counted as second-class citizens as goyim. Therefore, there was not a minion, there was only eight. What's ironic is sometime later, the synagogue moved from downtown Salem out to South Salem. And there was, to move the Torah scroll from the synagogue to another synagogue, it can't be transported on a calf rack like the Ark of the Covenant, right? Because that Remember when the Ark of the Covenant was thrown on, on, on the wagon and it fell off and they tried to st stabilize it, it was about to fall off? What happened to that fella? So a Torah scroll, likewise, when it's moved from one synagogue to another synagogue, it is walked. It's not put in a car, it's not put on the bus, it's not put on a horse and buggy. It is walked and there's a procession. Now, I was hyper-messianic back in these days and I thought, well, that's cool. Well, I want to be a part of that. So, everybody meets down at the synagogue here in Salem and goes on this procession 
from the old synagogue to the new synagogue. They called the police on me because they thought I was an Islamic terrorist. Because here in Salem, they had never seen anybody wrapped in tefillin. And back in the day, I used to wrap tefillin, which is the phylacteries, and I had the big garb on, and there was another brother with me, and we were the only two, because this is a secular, kind of, kind of liberal secular synagogue, right? And the, the Salem PD were called, well, are these, are these guys, you know, and I, I'm not sure if it was like after 9-11, or it was in that period of Arab and Jewish turbulence, as always. But they didn't even know what orthodoxy was. Why am I telling you this story? I'm going to talk about a minion. But I let me finish this story. Because Yahweh has the last laugh, does he not? Today, that very synagogue that wouldn't bring out the Torah scroll because they did not count my wife and I in the minion. Their Torah scroll was old and decrepit, and they, needed a, they wanted to buy a new one. So they bought the most magnificent Sephardic Torah scroll from Iraq in a Sephardic teak. And do you know who they bought it from? Torah to the tribes. Yahuwah got the last laugh, and we as believers in Yahuwah get to have the last laugh. They wouldn't bring out the Torah scroll for my wife and I, but every Shabbat they bring out the Torah scroll that they bought from Torah to the tribes. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? getting the last laugh Yahuwah does. Isn't that just an ironic story? A minion, a minion. So all glory to Yahuwah. A cluster of five cities, let the bidding start, and it's all about a minion. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And Yahuwah said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of Yahuwah to do righteousness and justice, and that Yahuwah may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And Yahuwah said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me, and if not, I will know. And again, we've got the plurality of Yahuwah. We have two leaving and one staying. How do you deal with that? Many of the rabbis just sidestep this. Verse 22. 
Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before Yahweh. So two go, one remains. This is a compound unity, isn't it? And you see this truly manifest in the Brit Hadashah. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? So again, this is where the bidding starts. Is there a minion of just 10 righteous men in each of the cities? Because it's a cluster of five cities. Let's start the bidding. Do we have a minion? Do we have a minion? And that's where the bidding starts. So then it proceeds. Far be it for you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it for you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? You see, this is where we're at in society right now. Judgment. Justice. Is it going to be administered justly? And there's lots of people wondering. Not only in the religious sphere, in the political sphere, in the economic sphere. What is going on? And are we seeing justice being administered justly in our society today? Can you find a minion here? Can you find a minion there? Can you find a cluster of five groups? Fifty. Can you? In a city. You've got police leaving. You've got teachers leaving. You've got people being thrown out of their jobs. The heroes in the hospitals last year are now unemployed this year. Is that just? Is that righteous? Is that justice? Being administered just? You have people that are allowed to sit inside restaurants. And then you have another class of people that are forced to sit outside. Is that justice? Is that, is that equality? Is that equity? Because this is the society that so many have accepted. Where's the outcry? Where's the outcry, brethren? People remain silent. And it's usually the liberals that are all about everything. Human rights that now are desecrating human rights. Because we're in the times of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, oh yeah, they want their kind of justice. But it's not just, is it? Because it's being administered unevenly, and therefore it's not justice at all. Let me continue. Verse 25 Verse 26, so Yahweh said, well, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous, if I find five minions within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered, he said, indeed, now, I know I am but dust and ashes. So this is the key. We have to be humble before Yahweh. I mean, do you still look at yourself and just realize you're dust and ashes? Do you? I certainly do. 
I certainly do. On a daily basis, on a daily basis, just dust and ashes. Have taken it upon myself to speak to Yahweh. Suppose there were nine righteous in each of the five cities. All right, it's not quite a minion, but we've got, at least we've got nine righteous in the cluster of five cities. Would you then destroy it? I mean, there's nine righteous. I mean, come on. This is the argument. This is a bidding war. And you miss it when you just got Sodom and Gomorrah, not realizing this is a bidding war starting with the minion. And now we're brokering down. We've got the majority, and we'll eventually get into the minority. Let's continue with the bidding war. Then Abraham said again, If I find there 45, I will not destroy it, saith Yahuwah. Verse 29. And he spoke him yet again and said, Suppose... All right, one of the cities is a total loss. But say there's a minion in each of the remaining four cities then. Would you then spare it? Okay, one city, it's a total loss. But the majority, the majority, we've still got a minion of four cities with a minion in each city. We've got 40. Would you spare it then, Yahuwah? So he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Then he said, let not Yahuwah be angry and I will will speak. Say, all right, two of the cities are a total loss. They're totally wicked. There's not even one person in them. But we've got three cities and there's a minion in each of the three cities. We've got 30. It's still the majority, isn't it? It's still the majority. Not of the people. But you see, do you see the mercy of Yahuwah? Avraham knows Yahuwah intimately. That his mercy is so good. And he's appealing to that. And we continue there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. A minion in just three cities. And he said, indeed now, verse 31, I have taken it upon myself to speak to Yahuwah. Suppose 20 should be found there. Now, now we're dealing with the minority. Now we're into the minority. Then he said, let not Yahuwah be angry. I will not destroy it for the sake of the minority. The 20. Then he said, let not Yahuwah be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, so this is the measure of the minion. This is the measure of the minion. I will not destroy it for the sake of the measure of the minion, the ten. So Yahuwah went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Avraham. And Avraham returned to his place. That's a powerful teaching to just show you the mercy of Yahuwah. And that when you have a relationship with Yahuwah, you know him through the Son and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that you can have through prayer in honor a bidding war with Yahuwah. How you petition Yahuwah in prayer Because Avraham recognizes through the 13 attributes 
that Yahweh is merciful and long-suffering. There could have been hundreds of thousands of people, but he breaks it down to bring home, Yahweh, you're merciful. Look, here's the majority. There's a minion, just a minion, in each of the ten. Look, it's the majority. Okay, one city's totally, totally wicked, but we've still got a minion in the other four cities. All right, Yahuwah, two of the cities are totally wicked. Do you see how it works? This is the application of prayer and knowing the Elohim whom you serve. Because Paul encompassed this perfectly in Romans chapter 7, didn't he? He said, I find a law that is present in me. Oh, how is it that I want to do the... But there is this law. There's a law of faith, but there is a law of sin. That wait, And this is what Abraham is dealing with Yahweh. And it's very tender when you really get to see. And then when you look at yourself with ashes and sackcloth, you know that Yahweh has chosen you, not because of who you are and who I am, but because of who he is. And he's able to do that now through the sacrificial work of his son that should make you groan or the Holy Spirit groan within you. Does that make sense? Now let's go on and we're going to see Lot manifest here in Genesis chapter 19. And you're also going to see again the plurality of Elohim. You're going to see Yahuwah raining fire from Yahuwah. Well, how does that work? Look at it up in the Masoretic text. It's not Adonai or Yahuwah raining fire from Adonai or Adonai rain. No, it's Yahuwah, Yahuwah. It's a plurality. So here we see now the two Malachim, this is the two witnesses. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now, this should jump right out to you, because where was Lot in chapter 13, verse 12? If you go back to chapter 13 of Genesis, he, he, he was in the plain. But now Lot's moved. He's in the gate. And this is really a teaching on sin and how sin is progressive isn't it turn with me to psalm chapter one and let me just read that to you quickly and you can see how this ties in genesis chapter 19 with psalm chapter one in psalm chapter one it teaches you through the psalmist how sin is progressive first we walk and Lot walked down into the plains. And then you know what? He stood still. And he began to stand. And what happens when you stand for too long? You start to look around, don't you? And you start to take in the scenery. And then the next thing you know, you decide, I'm going to sit down and become comfortable. Sin is progressive. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, 
nor sits in the seat of the scornful, walking to stopping and standing to sitting down brings to, of course, the downfall, which is why the Apostle Paul said, run, run for your dear lives, flee, 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 and then when you still can, flee, pluck it out. So what are we blessed with? By what we do? We are blessed by what we don't do. What the nations partake of, what we don't partake of, that's what we're blessed. We are blessed by what we don't do. This is really what you see manifest in Genesis chapter 19. Let me continue on. And he said, verse 2 of Genesis 19, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered into his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. So again, there again is your time marker prophetically. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. So the emphasis there is to show you the total depravity. It, this is the whole community wide. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please, let me bring them out to you, that you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason that they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness both small and great, so that they came weary trying to find the door. There's so much that I could say here, but time really is pressing. But what we do see here is what? It's so easy, isn't it, to look at the text and go, oh my goodness, Lot is just absolutely atrocious. What kind of man? would do that to his children. And we can judge Lot so quickly, can't we? And religion does. I remember studying this verse in the church. Oh my goodness, Lot was just... No, Lot was still under the blessing of Abraham. And we can just throw Lot under the bus right here because of his action towards his daughters. But what does Yahushua teach us? You can try and look at the speck in Lot, 
But what about the plank in you and I? You can go, oh, what an awful parent he was. It's so easy to judge other people and then give ourselves a free pass. I mean, you and I would never do such a thing as this, right? We would never, never do such a thing as this, right? Handing our children over to a bunch of sodomites? Wrong. Wrong. Listen, and this is so important today. Are you a mother? Are you a father? Or are you the pair that rents your children from the state? Did you and I, were we taught by the state to hand over our children to a bunch of sodomites the moment they were born? Well, if you registered for anything, then when you register something with the government, you have a split title. You are no longer the one who is the mother or father. You are now renting your children, which is why the government is so involved in families and trying to destroy the family unit of believers. Because you and I did the very works of Lot, and we've given ourselves a free pass. And now... In this day and age, it's all coming back to bite you. Which is why so many of you are in a turmoil, losing your jobs, having your families broken up, worried about your... Did you register them in this, for the school district? Did you give them a social, register them with a social security administration? We just handed our children over to Mystery Babylon. This is where it comes from. And I know that we didn't know. But I pray that we will realize that now and literally make repentance, change direction, and correct the wrongs that we have made. You can rescission all of your mistakes if you are willing to admit that you made a mistake. Don't blame the government and try and say the government deceived you and the government committed fraud. I have tried all that stuff. I had to take personal responsibility. And when I say I made a mistake and I rescission that contract, then I'm released from it. When I take responsibility for my mistakes. I didn't know, but now I do. I'm going to rescission the contract and I will say, I made the mistake. And guess what? The law allows you then to rescission it, and it then never, ever existed. I no longer want to be the pair that rents. I want to be a mother and a father in my family to my children. I do not want to split title with sodomites. And that's exactly why we're in the problem. When you and your spouse have children, according to the law, you are viewed as the owner of a thing. Property, your seed. 
But once you register the thing, listen, this is going to be hard for some of you, but once you register the thing, property with the United States or one of its subdivisions, you let the United States hold the legal title to your thing based upon a misrepresentation and a failure to disclose material facts to you at the time of registration. You didn't know, I didn't know, the birth certificate, the car title, the house, once you register it, you are no longer the sole owner of the thing. You are now have a split title, and now you have introduced a third party into the arrangement. You retain possession of the thing, but the United States invested the title and made a profit. You and I just got duped by Satan into trafficking the souls of our children. Ezekiel 28 verse 16, it is written, By the multitude of your rekula in the Hebrew, by the multitude of your trafficking, they have filled the midst of thee with the dealing of Hamas. That's what it says right there. If you didn't specifically authorize the United States and its agents to invest the title, the profits made from that title belonging to you, because there's the owner, you do remain the equitable title holder. Look at your birth certificate or the birth certificate of your children. It's on bond paper. There are banking numbers associated with it. It's called a QCIP number. Cases are all bonded with QCIP numbers. There's bonds associated with it. There's no money. Everything is bonds and liens and investments of title that you are duped because you made a mistake into registering with a fiction. And then that fiction takes what you have produced through your energy and then places liens and loans upon it. It's only the we, the people, that have the energy of their labor. But the fiction then extracts that. It's the matrix, people. And it all comes from this Torah portion and builds and builds. And we throw Lot under the... Oh, I would never do that. Yet we have all are just as guilty. And I'm not giving you this message to condemn you, but to help you right now correct the wrongs. But you can't blame the government. You can't blame the state. You signed over the title. You can rescission it. And you can say, I made a mistake. These are things that you have to weigh. But you cannot double dip. You cannot double dip. Because then what? You'll be spewed out. Lot 
was an accommodating party for a debtor person. And because of that, he moved his tent from the plain, Genesis 13, 12, to the gate, Genesis 19, 1, to partake of the fiction of Sodom. Full housing with benefits and privileges that would go all up in smoke and ashes. And you think this fiction is going to last? It's all going up in smoke and ashes. That's what the Bible tells us in Revelation. Right now is time for you and I to come out of her, my people, to rescission the contracts and to come out of her. But too many people are looking back like Lot's wife. Well, you know, that's pretty good back there, you know, because I, you know, I've, I've kind of paid into it. And well... Registering the birth certificate, the SS5, the school district, medical, child relief. These all have consequences, especially now when it's all coming home. What do they say? What's the phrase, Moshe? It's about chickens, the rooster or something comes home to rooster. Getting all of my mixing metaphors. I'm mixing metaphors this afternoon. But look at this in verse 19. They press hard against the man Lot. And in the house, at the doorway, they were full of blindness. Society presses hard against you when you try to come out of it. Because society presses hard that everyone would be partakers of the fiction. Because that's how it exists. It can only exist when you register registry register your things when you fill out your forms you put energy you put your signature and you bring energy and it extracts the energy because it is a fiction the United States is a fiction it's a corporation as are all the incorporated states yes there are really a hundred states right there's 50 incorporated states, fictions, and then there are actually the land states of the Union. And then there's the United States of America, and then there's the corporate United States Corporation, which exists within its jurisdiction of 10 square miles. And people don't realize this. But this has been going on since March 1933. So you have a whole generation that has grown up into it. And then it's been buried under statutory law, buried under statutory law. So then people go to law school to learn all of this, but they're learning under the system that was, of course, built to keep the whole system going. Thank goodness some of us have been awakened to this, or you came from countries which had another system of law in place that kind of makes you be able to see a few spots of light that then you can kind of open things up, right? And this is where we're at now. We are in this time of Sodom and Gomorrah and injustice. And you see it everywhere. And even those that came forth and maybe thought one thing last year are now starting to question because they go, well, this isn't right. Because you can see the inequality coming forth. Anyway, let me continue on because I could get, as I say, too stuck in chapter 19 there. Because it is so, of course, prevalent today 
for me to see this. But we come now to Abraham and Abimelech in chapter 20. And then in chapter 21, we see, of course, the son of promise is born. The son of promise is born at when? Passover. At that very time of promise, we see, of course, Genesis 17, verse 21, Genesis 18, verse 6, Genesis 19, verse 3. We can see all of this leads up to the time of Passover. And Yahuwah visited Sarah as he had said, and Yahuwah said for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time at the Moed, which Yahuwah had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Yitzhak, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as Elohim had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him, and Sarah said, Elohim has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. And she said also, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah, that Sarah would nurse children, for I have borne him a son in his old age? So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. Now, traditionally, that would be three years old. And you can see that in the Apocrypha if you look to Second Maccabees chapter 7, verse 27. Of course, there would be a great feast. And you also see that in First Samuel chapter 1, verse 21, that traditionally a son or a child would be weaned from its mother on the anniversary of three, and then a great feast and a presentation and a party would proceed on that very, very day. Now, we have the covenant with Abimelech in chapter 21 and verse 22, and then we come now to Chapter 22, which, of course, is so powerful, and I'll finish up here. This, of course, has got many, many, many messianic markers in it of the promised son and the sacrifice. I'll touch on a few things there, and then we'll open it up in the comments and the chat for you guys to see if you have some things that you would like to bring forth or even possibly ask some questions. Now, it came to pass after these things that Yahuwah Nachah, he proved or tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Hineni, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son. Of course, this is the chosen seed now, the only chosen seed that exists. And when was this time? It came to pass after these things. This would be after the birth obviously, and if that was around Passover, now we are looking in the progression of time, we're coming into the ram in the thicket, trumpets, when you would blow the ram's horn. So prophetically, we can see that this is in the procession of time. Now, there's in the mountains of Moriah, is this 
One of the mountains in Moria, yes. What mountains? Well, of course, you can look in Jerusalem today, and there was the threshing floor, which would be the Temple Mount. Would you go up to the threshing floor, and would you find a, a ram in the thickets on a threshing floor? Well, a threshing floor, there isn't any, um, you're not going to find thickets up there. It's a stone rock where they would put the wheat and the barley, and it would be threshed. But one of the other mountains which would be Mount Olives, there would be thickets and groves and trees. One of the mountains you decide. Then he said, now take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as an olah, an olah, a burnt offering on one of the mountains of Moriah, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled, saddled, excuse me, saddled his donkey. So here we see the prophecy dripping, the promised son, of course, coming, saddled on a donkey. And he took his two young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood. So the chosen one, we will see, carries the wood on which he's about to be sacrificed. There is so much here that I could just unpack this for hours. And he arose and went to the place which Elohim had told him. Then on the third day, of course, we see this as a three-day journey, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey and the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So here we can see that the promised son must be given up so that he can come back, which, of course, the writer in the book of Hebrews, specifically in the seventh verse of chapter 11, really brings forward this full encompassing prophecy. So Abraham, in verse 6, took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it. So the promised son carries the wood of the sacrifice on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife. Now, of course, that would be a pot of glowing embers. So he would take that plot, that pot of glowing embers up with them, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, Yahweh will provide. Elohim yera lo hasher in the Hebrew. Elohim yera lo hasher. Yahweh or Elohim will provide himself a lamb. You can see that the grammar was actually added in the King Jimmy, which comes from the Masoretic text. But if you just break it down strictly in the Hebrew, it is Elohim yira lo haser. Elohim will provide himself a lamb. Himself a lamb from the plurality for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place. This is, of course, when Isaac realizes and accepts. When was it that the son came?
came to this place? Was it in a garden as well, on one of the mountains of Mariah? Exactly, where he said, Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will. And of course, this is pre here. We see it in the prophecy of Isaac. He didn't know, and then he realized and accepted. And that's a big thing. That's a big thing in life. Yes, many of the things that I've spoken about, we've made mistakes. We didn't know. But then when we realize and accept responsibility, then everything changes and we're set free and we have the remedy or like I've spoken of before, the discharge and here the discharge over death. Abraham fully expected to slay Isaac and he fully expected that Yahweh would raise him up from the dead. The writer of the book of Hebrews writes that for us in the 11th chapter. And we continue on now in verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. There's some absolute fabulous artwork from the medieval period just showing this. Some of the great impressionist artists you see. I've seen it in many museums in, uh, in France and in England that just really, truly, truly stir you to your very, very, very soul. And the Malak, the Malak, the angel of Yahuwah, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Hineni, Hineni. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear Elohim, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from him. From me, excuse me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him in a ram was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering. And this, of course, we see the faith of Abraham exemplified as he now offers up this lamb instead of his son. Abraham called the name of this place. Yahuwah will provide, or in the Hebrew, Yahuwah Yirah. As it is this day in the mount of Yahuwah, it shall be provided. Then the Malak of Yahuwah called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says Yahuwah, because you have done this very thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, Blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the choke points, the strategic choke points, or the gates of their enemies. Think of it today. Do the descendants of Abraham possess those strategic choke points? The Suez Canal, the Panama Canal, the island of Gibraltar. You can see that these are the strategic choke points throughout the world, which really will bring about a controversy in these last days with the other seed, the seed of Ishmael. And you can see this oftentimes played out in the Middle East. Verse 18, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they rose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. And at this point, Sarah is in Hebron and they are not together. And she then, we will learn later on, 
she dies in Hebron. And of course, this is Sarah's death, burial, and resurrection coming, not resurrection, excuse me, death and burial. We shall see the resurrection next week in chapter 23. But let me finish up for you in Hebrews, Ivrim, Hebrews chapter 11, and you can see the fullness of the prophecy revealed, of course, in Yahusha. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, we now have, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, and by faith he dwelt in the land of promise in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Yitzhak and Yaakov, the heirs with him of the same promise, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is Elohim. And by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past age, because she was judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, And him, as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. And this is the Elohim we serve. As many of us were as good as dead when we came to the knowledge of the truth. And now we get to live a different life. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them far off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, Truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, Yahweh is not ashamed to be called their Elohim, for he has prepared a city for them. And it was by faith that Avraham, when he was tested, lifted up Isaac, as he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that Yahweh was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. And that is, of course, the prophecy of Zion, full picture from Bereshit to Hebrews, we go from Abraham and we see the full manifestation of that in Yahushua. I hope that you are enjoying just reading the Torah portion weekly before we come together, and I do hope you are, because there is so much to unpack. Of course, there's many chapters to go through, so I can only touch on it. So really, it is up to you to do the deeper study during the week as we come together and expose the text further on the Sabbath. Let me see what you've got to say in the live chat. Um, All right. It does help me if you redline, and I think we've maybe even got some instructions on how you can do that. 
And let's see. If you have a question for me or a comment, please, please. Gene D, if your children are over the age of 18, do they have to rescind it, the birth certificate, or can their parent do it? And what form is used? Um, if they're over the age of 18, then they do it. If um, they're under the age of 18, then you can do it. And you just want to get a certified copy of the birth certificate. And there is um, a, a, a process for doing that, and that is something that... Um, possibly I would be able to explain to some people offline, but not here on this platform. Sorry, Gene D, but you can also contact us at Shabbat Fellowship, and we may be able to point you in the right direction of that process. Cameron Jada, Shalom, Brother Matthew, we missed you dearly at Sukkot. However, we had a wonderful time with the brethren in Florida. Do we rescind our contracts by acknowledging our wrongs to Yahuwah? Well, it, again, it's always about acknowledging your wrongs and, and taking responsibility, personal responsibility for making a mistake. We made mistakes, and I think when we say that, and I know when we acknowledge that, firstly with Yahuwah and with all agents out there, then we are released. But you do need to repent of your sins to Yahuwah. And if you've made mistakes like myself, which are many, you have to repent of your sins to men. And oftentimes agents. Oftentimes those in powers uh, positions of authority. If you have been dishonorable, which I have done because I didn't know better, but now I do, and now it set me on a different path, and I'm glad about that. But again, it's very difficult sometimes when people aren't... We've, we've been so indoctrinated by the world, but thankfully I'm coming out of it, and I know so many of you, so many of you are too. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Let's see. Kevin Niebling, Shabbat Shalom, Kevin. He says, Yahusha um, knew his father was going to have him sacrificed too. What a picture. Yes, so many pictures in this, in this text. Thank you. The willingness, the expectation of the promise. And then Libby, Shabbat Shalom, Louisiana, Libby, Tube, Hebrews 11.8, by belief, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he was about to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Yah's Chosen says, Torah to the tribes, are the people in Israel the descendants of Abraham? I always say that they are of Japheth. Can you enlighten me about this matter? Well, there's always a remnant, but yes, the majority in the state of Israel are Japhethites, and you are correct in that understanding. But there are, you know, some Sephardic Yahudim. There are some um, true Jews being of black African 
descent from the kingdom of Judah, but the majority of true Judah is still over here in the United States, you know, being caught up in all the nonsense of fabricated history. And again, it's a waking up of coming out of her, my people. And we're blessed that so many people are starting to wake up in this day and this age. Let me see. I need to refresh this screen, apparently. Give me a second here. Bear with me here. Caitlin Flynn, hello, brother, from the streets, the streeters in Marysville. Does the synagogue know they bought the scrolls from you? Yes, they do, but it was at such a good price. So, you know, they decided to go for it. Yes, they do, they do. Chris De La Rosa, Shabbat Shalom down there. I believe you're in Florida, aren't you, Chris? Maybe I'm getting you mixed up with another Chris. If you have anything, pop it up in the chat, redline me if you have a question or a comment. Otherwise, we will see you next Shabbat with Chai Sarah, Yahuwah willing, the life of Sarah, which of course is my eldest daughter's Torah portion. And I'm excited that I get to share that next week. And Robert Gomez, Shalom Matthew, thank you. It was a blessing. Please do the priestly prayer. And yes, what a great way to finish let us do the priestly prayer. Let's see. Yes, I'm in Florida. I used to be in region, FEMA Region 4, he says. All right, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Well, Yahuwah's blessings upon you. Greet one another with a blessing as you sign out of the chat. And if you are looking at this a little bit later, then please go and leave a comment down in the comment section. Please give us some thumbs up. And remember, you can hit that subscribe icon, and that will really help as well. Yahuwah bless you. Yevarechacha Yahuwah Vayishmarecha, Yeyer Yahuwah Panavalecha Vechonecha, Yesa Yahuwah Panavalecha Vayasim Lecha Lecha Shalom. May Yahuwah bless you and keep you. May Yahuwah's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May Yahuwah lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace in the name of the Prince of Peace. Yahushua HaMashiach. Be blessed and Shabbat Shalom.